Hello, hello, and welcome back to another Fluently Forward episode. I am so excited to have Coco Moco on today. You know her from TikTok fame. You know her of her new podcast, Ahead of the Curve. You're also on YouTube as well, but yes. welcome to the show, Coco. Love how yeah. that rhymes. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan of your podcast. Right back at you because I was on oh. yours recently. We covered the Gwyneth Paltrow ski incident. Yes. And this was back when we didn't know that she was going to be a free woman. But it was just, it was so fun to talk with you because I've always loved your TikToks. I've loved the way that you speak about. I just feel like you're someone where like you get it. Like I could talk to you for hours. And even with your podcast episodes, you talk about pop culture, you talk about trending topics, but you're also just incredibly smart. Like you tie in real facts in a very like easy to understand way. Like when you were talking about how food influencers and makeup influencers, right. Make more than why they make more than any other realm. Yeah. And it, it never occurred to me, right? Like if you buy one pair of jeans, that's it. But if you buy a thing of almond milk, you're going to be buying it every week. So, you know, that's why brands will pay more money. It didn't even cross my mind. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. I know I've, I've had some people describe my content. They're like, someone who's never even thought about marking a day in their life, like you kind of break it down. And then you also, even though you're talking about someone like Melanie Martinez, you can make it apply to anyone who's listening. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you like them. Thank you. Like it, love it. And you spoke a little bit when I came on your show about how you previously worked at BuzzFeed, right? So tell us a little bit about that and how you got interested in this world of like marketing and analyzing trends. Yes. Yeah. It's such a kind of funny story, kind of accidental. But again, I I also feel like I was always meant to be here. Like I would have found my way into this industry, but I just got my degree. I was working part-time at a hair salon, making minimum wage, like living at my parents for almost a year. And then I saw a Craigslist ad for a marketing job and they didn't say the company name or anything. So I applied just, I would have done marketing for anyone and I ended up being famous birthdays. Oh my God. Yeah. So I started at Famous Birthdays. That was when Musical.ly just changed to TikTok and they needed someone to run TikTok. So I was running TikTok and inviting in people I saw on my For You page. So like, I think I I saw Charlie D'Amelio when she had like 15,000, invited her in. We were her first interview. A couple of videos I did with people who right before they blew up did really well. And then from there, I jumped over to BuzzFeed to work at BuzzFeed, which I don't really always talk about publicly on my pro. I don't mind telling people, but I just never want someone to follow me because of where I work. Mm. Cause then that's such an uncontrolled variable. I'm not going to be one place forever. So I always make it like, like in podcasts and stuff, I talk about it, but yeah. Dude. And by the way, I love that you found it on Craigslist because I used to, I don't have the time now, but back when I was in my nine to five, I stayed on Craigslist. I was on the gigs. I was, I'm sure, like you have to have a brain on there because half of, you will get trafficked if you, you know, email the wrong person on there. But I would like apply for these research studies to like talk about my experiences getting facials, the, the skincare one, not like the other side of Craigslist. And they would give me like gift cards or I would write blog posts for people for $20. I've just always loved odd jobs. And like Craigslist has a lot of stuff going for it. Yeah. I kind of love it. Also, I love how good you are at like playing on words. I think that's one of my favorite <laughs> things about you. Like 
if you're not paying attention, like you'll miss the like jokes that you throw into <laughs> conversation. It's like finding little Easter eggs. It's really just me being like a pervert and anything that has like a pervy innuendo. I'm like, oh wait, there could yes. be a pun here. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about pop culture and trend predictions. And this is like my favorite. Anytime somebody does a TikTok or Instagram video where they're like, I love when it's New Year's Day and everybody does their predictions for pop culture. So I thought we'll kind of start off the bat. Both of us will maybe go back and forth and kind of talk about some trending and pop culture predictions we have. My first one, just to kick things off here, I think Jimmy Fallon is getting canceled this year, not for doing anything wrong, but just because he's been around for so long that like, if you don't give up your power, like there's a reason it's only four times or four years at a row for the president. Like if you're around for too long, we just as a society get fucking sick of you. So I think we're going to find a way to cancel Jimmy Fallon. Maybe it's because he laughs so much and talks over women on the show. <laughs> you can't <laughs> Like, I don't know, but I think he's coming to an end. Yeah, no, I think it's so interesting you say that because there's actually a term that I kind of say, um, I call it the Simon Cowell effect. And it's where... Sometimes it's really, really good to leave something when it's at its prime. Because like, I'm sure if Simon Cowell and American Idol, like he was still on American Idol, like I'm sure he'd be canceled left and right. But he left like when it was, I mean, more people were voting for American Idol than like presidential elections. Like, I don't know if that's a true fact, but to me, it felt like that in fifth grade or whatever. And he left at the peak. Yeah, wait, everyone... by the way, of course it felt true in fifth grade too. Cause I was like, I don't even know what the word Republican or Democrat yes. means. So like American no. Idol, like that's how I found out about voting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. That's it's our intro to democracy. I like to call it the Simon Cowell effect. I think Oprah Winfrey did the same thing where you don't, I think it's people who have a really long foresight on like their legacy, like very obsessed with their legacy. Sometimes there's some astrology things that go into that. But I think that, they knew that they had to leave at a certain time. People that don't do that, like we saw kind of like with Ellen, I think if you're just around for too long, people, it's like a pendulum. People are like, okay, well, we're getting sick of them. We need to push them out. We're going to find every reason to hate them. So. Yeah. And and especially with women too, right? Like there's the Jennifer Lawrence where she wasn't even around for that long. But if you're, and if you're like a extroverted woman, it's like cut that time in half and then get out. You know, you have half the amount of time that Simon Cowell does. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. I was going to say something too about the Jimmy Fallon point. Oh, Z-Way. I don't know if you know who Z-Way is. She has a talk show and actually got canceled after two seasons. And I felt like, I still think this, I still think she's going to be like the face of late night soon. But I was really bummed that her talk show got canceled. But then like Jimmy Fallon's been around forever. And yeah. Right. And you hear about all these influencers getting more views than late night. And I mean, her show, I never watched it because I think it was on Showtime and I didn't have a subscription. It was Showtime, wasn't it? Yeah. But I would see a lot of the clips because she posts them to TikTok. I'm sure there's a team doing that. But But you know what's so funny is uh, like Key and Peele, they are so funny Mm -hmm. together, but nobody ever tuned in for their show, but they would post clips of it to YouTube and the YouTube clips would always go crazy viral. So it's funny Mm -hmm. when 
you know, even with SNL, right? Like I don't watch SNL, but I'll watch the clips on YouTube. So maybe we've just become more yeah. of like a clip society. Yes. I think the only smart way to roll things out now is you have to have a show that's super hyped, like Love is Blind. And they'll like post things in batches. And then of course people will tune in. Yeah. I think people are just consuming content differently and the TV channels haven't like caught up to it. Yeah. Okay. You go. What's one of your trend or pop culture predictions? Yes. So one of mine is, and I know that this is going to be a little bit unpopular and it's not coming from a place of judgment either. Cause I think there's a lot of good that comes from this, but I think that we are going to look at alcohol and the way alcohol is marketed the same way that we look at like cigarettes from like the fifties and like Mad Men, like the way that they, there was a whole season of Mad Men where they were trying to figure out how to like spin it, that cigarettes weren't actually that bad, even though like the data had just come out that people were dying left and right. <laughs> and I don't know. I think that we're just as a collective going to look back. And I do understand too, like drinking, like I went to SDSU, like, <laughs> like there's nothing on its sun. I haven't drank um, during those years, but <laughs> you're like, I drank the sun and I was able to get drunk. <laughs> yeah. Like everything. Like, I think that's why I don't drink as much now because I just did so much in college. But I think that we're going to look back at even like when you go to TJ Maxx, everything is like wine, mom, it's wine o'clock. And no one's like, it's cigarette o'clock anymore. Like, I don't know. I just think that it's like this commodification of something that's clearly very dangerous for a lot of people. And it's weird that like with cigarettes, they have to put all these labels and warning labels and all these extra taxes on it. But then like with alcohol, all they really have to disclose is drink responsibly. So I, I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking. I think it's one of the only social outlets that adults have. But I do think we're going to look back and be like, oh, like, why, why was that such a popular thing that people were making seem like a fun suburb activity kind of thing, making it part of their identity? A hundred percent. And it's like, everyone thinks that, and I don't, maybe it's because there has been a rise in this idea of like a sober lifestyle, but I've definitely been drinking less, but that also might be because I'm getting older and the hangovers, like they're actually going to kill you at my age now. But Like, isn't that funny how, I don't know, sometimes for me, I'm all about drinking when I actually want a drink. And I think so many times we don't actually think about it and analyze it. You're just like, okay, I'm out to dinner. So of course I'll get a drink, but think about it. Do you really want a drink? Cause some, some nights you do, right? If I work my ass off from 7 AM to 7 PM, I'm like, I'd love a martini. But I think just taking that moment to stop and think about it, we haven't really been conditioned to do that. And people talking about a sober lifestyle it makes you think about it. And let's be honest, drinking, I mean, it's not great for you. Yeah. I think that there's also a trend right now called like the 75 day challenge that people are doing where they're giving up certain vices they have for 75 days just to see how they feel. I know Olivia O'Brien has been documenting on TikTok her sobriety journey. And I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just becoming more something that is, there's more self-awareness around alcohol consumption versus like making it a fun, like part of everyone's identity as a wine mom and a, I don't know. Yeah. I just think it'll be interesting to see where it ends. I'm totally with you on that. And it's funny because in kind of conjunction with that, I see as well, like an upcoming trend is people moving away from cosmetic work. Right. And I say that as someone who like, hi, I've been there, I've gotten plastic surgery, but I do feel a shift in people wanting to embrace 
you know, their flaws. And I also see people getting off birth control, sober living. Like lately, it's just kind of been in the zeitgeist, this idea of maybe it comes from the distrust of media, distrust of pharma, distrust of like the world right now. But I see a lot of people kind of getting a little hippie-ish about it. And I like it. Yeah. I think too, not just cosmetic in that realm, but like to your point as well, I think rejection of the sentiment of always trying to look younger. I think like I've made this prediction before. I think that older women or influencers are going to become so popular, Mm. especially in like the makeup space and stuff, because I don't know, I want someone to make a makeup brand that's called like the blueprint. And it's all about like older women who are the blueprint. Like they know what all the trends that work are. They've tried everything. They, they know what works. They know what looks good. And there's one hair brand called better, not younger. And like, I just love that sentiment, like better, not younger. And I think that that'll be, and I think that'll play into the cosmetic surgery as well is people moving away from it because I think there's going to be a much needed glamorization of older women and kind of putting them on the pedestal that I think they should have been on. But I I think we'll move towards that. Mm-hmm. I love older influencers. Yeah. And also too, like, especially when it does come to makeup, I think there's an option on Sephora where you can search for skincare and makeup by like, is it for mature skin? And you better mm-hmm. believe I check that off every single time. Why would I want something that's made for a teenager? Like, don't you yeah. always want skin? Like nobody wants anything to settle into their fine lines. Like, I feel like that yeah. should just be the get-go. I want everything for mature women. Cause I just feel like it, it makes you look better. Yeah. It's more sensitive for certain things. And also like, usually they, like we talked in my podcast, they have a more disposable income typically. So why more brands aren't catering to them? I don't know. I feel like they're the best demographic there is. Me too. I am so excited to tell you this week about Saqqara and their flexible signature nutrition program. I have been eating on this plan for the last week and I love everything about it. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I talk about how I was vegan for three years. You know, I typically eat about 80% vegan. It just feels more aligning. It just makes me feel great when I do it. And coinciding with the fact that as creative as I like to think of myself, I can ne- I never know what to cook. I never know how to put together something. I love looking at food online, but I can never seem to make interesting meals for myself. And Saqqara is fantastic for this. They give you meals that are ready to eat. They're delivered to your door and they are so healthy. They're going to make you look and feel your best. They're plant-based and they are fun. Like I this week have eaten a pumpkin pie parfait, a vegan burger, a sweet potato bowl with this maple syrup sauce. For breakfast, I'm having chocolate love muffins that have like coconut oat crumble on them. It's absolutely fantastic. So if you want a little taste of this, haha, Sakara brings expertly designed organic nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their science-backed, ready-to-eat meals are going to deliver results that you can see and feel from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. So right now, Sakara is offering Fluently Forward listeners 20% off of their first order when they go to sakara.com slash fluently or enter code fluently at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash fluently to get 20% off your first order sakara.com slash fluently okay what's uh what's your next prediction here okay yes so my next prediction and I just made a video on this and it I feel like people had really good discussion about it on either side of the fence like no right or wrong answer 
But Gen Alpha, they are the generation that's right under Gen Z. And I think that they are going to be the most private generation. They're the kids that are usually people aren't like they have different variations of when they think generations begin. Gen Alpha, I think is around 2010 and up. They are going to be the generation that is so private since the invention of the internet, like the most private generation we've seen. You had millennials who were kind of the ones that were like the pioneers. They were the cowboys. They were like going out into like the uncharted, you know, areas of the internet and figuring out what it was and what to do. And they got clowns on for that, but they really figured it out. You have like the Buzzfeed generation, And then you had Gen Z where they were obsessed with like relatability. Like I'm on the internet, but like I'm filming a video, like while sitting on the toilet, going to the bathroom, like I'm so relatable. Hee hee ha. And then I think Gen Alpha (laughs) is like, like, so so relatable. (laughs) I think that like people are going to look back at the Gen Z generation on TikTok right now. That's like, I'm filming a video, like doing something really weird, like on the toilet or something. They're going to think of it as like when millennials had like mustaches on their fingers and we're like, (laughs) like fedoras and you know I could see that it's so true it's like when millennials are talking about their Harry Potter houses it's the same way that like Gen Z is like talking about their like trauma to like an audience of millions do you know what I mean like you're gonna the next generation is gonna see it as so crass yes like it's like flop era is gonna be the equivalent to like I just did a thing yeah but um Um, but I think that Gen Alpha is going to be the most private generation since the invention of the internet. And I think that the way that they're going to exist online is through avatars. So it's almost going to be like a combination of like Instagram, TikTok, and then the Sims. So like your popularity, your marketability, your, your ability to sell things isn't going to be based on your own, but on your avatar. And I think part of that too is going to be, they're not going to want to have much of a digital footprint because of, they were the kids, like think 2010, the rise of Instagram. They were the kids who like, instead of having a normal conversation with their parents, they were talking to their parents through the lens of like a camera in their face. Like not everyone, that's only like 10% of family vloggers. But I think that there's going to be a resentment towards having to be on the internet because of their parents or the people around them posting them without their permission. I think there's going to be a big conversation about like consenting to a digital footprint because I don't know that kids can. Or I like when people post their kids, but don't put their real names out there. So then if the kid decides one day when they're applying to colleges or jobs, like no one can find their videos on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. I think Gen Alpha is just going to be really, really private. I think it's going to be like the marshmallows, like the little Michaela's, like that social experiment. I think that they're just going to exist as avatars, but I hope that there's still some accountability. Like I know I've heard you say on your podcast that you sometimes wish platforms were kind of like Reddit where you could see people's comment history. And I agree because I think people will be held accountable. Could you imagine like canceling, like what's it, that, uh, fake Michaela, right? Wait, Lil mm-hmm. Michaela, right? Like the the Lil Sim Michaela. who became an influencer, like canceling her or something. I even think yeah. about that when people, when they were like, oh my God, like Shannon, like fluently forward beefing with Dumois. I'm like, not really. It's kind of like a nameless, faceless, like entity out there, you know? So in this yeah. future, we could be seeing people where they lead with their profile avatar, which as yeah. someone who is obsessed with the Sims, I love that. And already I'm like, my avatar would be, <laughs> I love making avatars that don't even look like myself. I'm like, my avatar would be tall and she would have like pink hair or something. What would yours look like? Yes. I would probably make mine similar to me, but like with less greasy bangs. <laughs> I can't help it. I literally bow dry my bangs every day and people are like, Coco Moco's the girl with smudged mascara and greasy bangs. I'm like, whatever. I'm just going to own it now. That's fine. I'm the girl with 
dry skin and thin lips, yeah. you know, you got to have a couple accessories. <laughs> exactly. It makes us relatable because we're perfect otherwise. No. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I love it. And also how to be able to be called Gen Alpha. Like I hope the next two are then like beta and cuck come after just to like really <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that is actually how they do I'm not sure where millennial came I th- oh because it was the beginning of the millennia um, yeah. whatever um yeah. yeah I think but like the gen z and then after z they have to start the greek alphabet from the beginning so gen alpha people on my video were like oh my god like why is she referring to them as gen alpha like that's so weird like what's so great about them what have they proven i'm like i didn't come up with that like that's just what google told me they'd be called do you think that there's like a group i feel like there's maybe there's a secret country that we don't even know about and a bunch of people live there and leave tiktok comments and they've never been to school you know what i mean like they grew up they learned how to read but yeah yeah yeah, that's what it's just yeah. an island full of bots. Cause sometimes you look at a certain comment and you're like, this can't be from a human. This is like a little bit too dumb. Right. I was talking to someone who has a pretty big following once. And he told me like, whenever he's dealing with hate comments, he's like, honestly, I think they're, I just tell myself they're all bots and they usually are. And I was like, that helps me so much. Like, I like that idea over like some real life human, like that I've now made an enemy because they didn't like that I said gen alpha so yeah. yeah it's it's easier to think that when in doubt yeah it's just thoughts now the last one I'll do here is a little controversial but I think we you know we all remember from history class unless you're you're a bot and you never took a history class but the cold war the red scare of communism everywhere it's coming here it's coming from Russia it's you know we still got a little bit of that going on everybody's like a little bit terrified of Russia. I think everyone in Russia is attractive because I'm wildly attracted to the accent. Good God. Russians and Australians. There's like something special. Oh my gosh. I always (laughs) say, yeah, yeah. Eastern European women are so beautiful. And also I always say I've never met an unattractive person from Australia. Me too. Okay. Did you ever listen to the Jonas Brothers back in the day? Like their early albums? Yeah. I was listening to it today for a throwback and like their very first album, they have a song called Australia. Have you heard that one? No. It's basically like Nick and Joe, but I feel like it was mostly Nick singing because like Joe hadn't really come into his own yet about how they were like in a fight with their girlfriend, but they're going to wait for a girl from Australia and like she's the dream girl and like she's going to be so great because she's going to be from Australia. And when I was a kid, I listened to it and I was like, yeah, what a bop. And today at 29, I was listening to it. I'm like, what the hell is this song? They're just like obsessed with meeting a woman from Australia. Give it a listen. It's, it's Oh, I'll have to. What if like Australian tourism department paid them? They're like, hey. Yeah. Or like they they did a tour in Perth and they sang that song and they all like threw their thongs on stage or something. Exactly. There we go. Although I think thongs are like flip-flops down there or something. But anyway, so basically going back to the Red Scare of the Cold War, I think it's coming back around, but it's disguised as like pedophilia and grooming. So rather than being terrified that your neighbor is a communist and your neighbor is engaging in this, it's like grooming, pedophilia, grooming, grooming. And part of me is like, ooh, uh uh-oh, like maybe I contributed to some of that because, you know, obviously we talk about Epstein a lot on here. We talk about trafficking, but, you know, I'm not saying that like every single person is a groomer or like they're out there. And 
sometimes I do think it is a little bit worrying. Like I, we had three people in my high school, a history teacher, an English teacher, and a gym teacher who full on were grooming girls and molesting them anyway. And that was just three in my high school. And everyone I talked to has had like a neighbor or an uncle or a teacher who was creepy. So I find it also annoying when everybody's like, no, that stuff never exists. Like only Republicans say it. Okay, well, like I I knew a history teacher who did it. And so so did all yeah. my friends. But at the same point, now we have everybody relating like drag shows to grooming. And like, it's just become this very topic of the culture wars where like the right will say that, oh, the drag shows are grooming. And then the left will be like, what about every single church that has ever groomed people? And it's like pointing the grooming finger. And I feel like it's kind of this new red scare that's going around, but I don't know what color you would associate grooming with, but like it's, the word has been talked about more in the past couple of months than it probably has in the last 10 years. Yeah. And I think the word grooming is something that like you can't pinpoint it so someone could be like they're grooming them but and also I I maybe I could be wrong but I always also knew the word in grooming is like it could also mean like training someone or positioning someone yeah like you're um, grooming him for the job right for That's the job yeah and like I think I had said that word one time in that context of like oh yeah they're grooming this p- person for to be a manager of something and they were like <gasps> I was like, no, not like that. Like grooming. I'm also a mean- horse girl at heart. So like to me, grooming was like something that you yeah. do in the stable, you know? So there's like a lot of different uses. For yeah. It. I think also just the scares, obviously it goes viral. And I think it takes away from like what you were saying, like the people that you really need to be aware of are the ones that you know and you trust. And um, I've seen videos and I know we have it might touch on it in this podcast, but I've seen videos about the true crime community and how there's been some corrections. And there was also a podcast about human trafficking. It was, you should know, or it was a really great podcast and they, they correct things in culture that are kind of these misconceptions, basically that there's always these videos that go viral that are like, if someone leaves a rubber band, like on your car and target, like you are going to be trafficked. And they were like, number one, that takes away from what's actually happening. I remember I studied sociology and poli sci. I minored in it in college. And um, we had a guy, I went to school in San Diego. And we, I remember we had uh, someone from the FBI actually come um, because we were so close to the border and where sometimes trafficking can happen. They were telling us like what to look for. And they were saying that like these videos as well, it's not going to be someone you know, putting uh, something weird in your windshield. Of course, if that happens, be careful. That's like crazy. Usually I just get things in my windshield that are like, we buy junk cars and I'm like, thanks. (laughs) But like they were saying that you're kind of creating this red herring where now someone who might be in a position to be victimized often by a boyfriend is where it happens typically is they're now thinking about something that they don't need to be afraid of when they really need to be looking at their blind spot, which is the person closest to them. And so how that misinformation and that sensationalism is, but like, it's harder to, it's easier to go viral to be like, look what was left on my car. Like, oh my gosh, no one's going to be like, I mean, you can go viral talking about it, but by saying, you know, watch out for your boyfriend, watch out for the person closest to you. Like it takes these longer podcasts. You can't really say in a minute, the things that you need to look for. Like they even said that if someone comes to school or work, wearing really expensive items that they've never worn before, especially children at school. It could be someone is gifting them things 
that they had just met or someone close to them. And then they're going to be like, okay, now you have to pay me back. You know what you need to do. So Uh they were saying like, there's certain things to look for that. Like these sensational videos are really kind of diluting it and taking resources away from what people actually need to be aware of. And so I think that kind of speaks to your point too. Oh, you know what I just thought of like a sound information versus soundbite information. And I'm coining this right now. Damn. So right. Like, I just feel like that, you know, and I, I remember like back in the day when like the only social media was Facebook, there would be these infographics going around being like, oh my God, I haven't spoken about this out loud maybe ever. So I hope this wasn't like a fever dream I had where they would be like, if a car is driving towards you and the left headlight is out, that means they're going to kidnap you. But if the right headlight is out, that means it's a gang and like they're going to try to attack you. And I remember looking at this and I had just gotten my driver's permit and I'd be like, okay, the left headlight on my side is going to be the right headlight. So if that one's out, then I lock the doors because it's a kidnapper. But if it's the other headlight, then I drive off fast because it's a gang. And I was growing up in like suburban New Jersey. Like where did these things come from? Yeah. Or like the idea that if someone has their headlights off at night and you like flash them to let them know to turn them on, that like it's a gang initiation and they're going to shoot you. (laughs) I'm like, that takes, and it also like takes away from actual victims who like, have been through it and like things actually happen to them. Cause now you're just like diluting it and making it this, like, you're right. Like a soundbite, but you know, what's really creepy too. Like, I mean, you know me, like I'm uh, each day I fall further down conspiracy rabbit holes, but this, this is an actual fact. This isn't like no tinfoil hat. This is a fact. The FBI is so fucked up. Like on number one account, right giving Jeffrey Epstein the lightest sentence of all time where he could go in and out of his jail cell for just a couple months when he was convicted as a child sex offender in Palm Beach, Florida, 2008. Number two, the fact that the FBI took all of his hard drives and did nothing with it. They took it to a secure location. And then number three, the gymnasts who were sexually abused by that doctor, Larry Nassar, they all came out on record basically saying that when they spoke to the FBI on the phone about these crimes, the FBI was such dicks to them, flippant. They would talk about, they would be crying, talking about their assault and the FBI would be like, okay, so that's all, like, that's the only thing that happened. So it's so funny that the FBI would come in and give talks on sexual assault. And it's like, but you guys don't actually do anything to these predators, you know? complete bastards. Yeah. I feel like they, they, I don't know if this is something that's implemented, but even having people who were victims of it working in the force, because I feel like even also like, this is just more and kind of broader too, but even like policing, like part of the problems that happens with policing is people who don't live in the actual community are the ones that get hired and then come in and they don't see the people in the community as humans. Like they're not part Mm. of it. So like, same with that, like they should have people who've been through it if they're willing and have the emotional availability and like training, but yeah. And sorry, also to your point, I don't mean to jump back, but like in terms of the red scare, I also think we saw that with the rise of like Illuminati conspiracies and like lizard conspiracies, which are, (laughs) yeah. And I, I didn't know this until TikTok, which TikTok teaches me so much, but it's actually rooted in it. Anti-Semitism. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. Like I remember learning in sociology that if someone ever wants to commit or justify an act of violence against a group of people, the first step is convincing others that they're not human. And that's why like, it's so important language and not saying like, oh, someone's like, they're a lizard. Cause then you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm okay with now this group of people being, having something bad happen to them. Cause I don't see them as human. I didn't mean to jump back, but I just, no, I'm, like, oh yeah. 
I Illuminati, love same thing. Jumping. Yeah, there, there was a lot that I didn't know about that because some of the conspiracy theories, right? Like I'll be into a conspiracy theory and then I'll type something abhorrent into Google, right? Like I have to be like hollow earth, like Jewish Nazi, you know, like you just have to type that in because so much of it does yeah. come back there. But also at the same time, I feel like sometimes people, sometimes I, okay, there is conspiracy theories that are rooted in dark places. But I remember once early on, we were talking about conspiracy theories and we were like the classic one, right? What if the aliens built the pyramid? And I had a few people in my DMs who were like, that's actually a racist thing to say because it implies yeah. that black people uh, don't have the Weren't capabilities. Capable. But can I just say to me, that sounds obscenely racist because like, okay, the aliens building the pyramid. We also think that aliens built Stonehenge. People also yeah. think that aliens built Atlantis. People also think that aliens like, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't like, I don't know how you got to that conclusion. Like I wasn't thinking about it at all in terms of black people. It was, it was about humans not being mm -hmm. capable because the pyramids are centered on these like pressure points of earth. The fact that they face exactly Northeast Southwest to the point zero 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 three degree. The fact that the limestone from those pyramids came from a river that was fucking thousands of miles away. Yeah. The fact that even to the Greeks, the pyramids were ancient. So they were ancient, mm -hmm. ancient, ancient. Like nobody, even the Greeks were like, we can't even fathom how these were built, mm -hmm. you know? So sometimes I look at some yeah. of those ones and I'm like, well, shit, like, I don't think anyone meant anything bad by it. But of course, yeah. if you put it through that lens, it sounds awful. So mm -hmm. it's it's hard to say. Conspiracy theories can really go from the fun to the fucked up pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. True. And we'll like, see. yeah, but some of them are sometimes true, like the Epstein stuff. And then it's like, you know, sometimes the the wacky ones take away from the ones that are actually bringing attention to like a real thing. Isn't that great? And then the, what's even wilder, and then I promise people we'll, we'll get back to the predictions, is that even after they're found out, does anything happen, right? Like what happened to Prince Andrew? There's a photo of him with a 17-year-old that he molested and he's just chilling in a castle. So yeah. I mean, the worst thing to them is their image being ruined. Like these people are like, fuck. So like in a, in a way, I think it does, it does haunt them at night. They care more about their image than anything else. So. Let's hope, you know, yeah. let's hope. ZocDoc. I am so excited that ZocDoc is going to be sponsoring today's episode because I have been using ZocDoc for, I think, maybe six years now. I've used them in Chicago, Tampa, San Francisco, New York, all over, and I've always had a great experience. When you get into this phase of life where you're not really like living at home anymore, you're not in college, and you can't just ask your mom like, hey, who's the dermatologist down the street that you go to? Because you're living on your own. So that's why ZocDoc has always been so helpful for me. Anytime I need to see a specialist or if I've moved to a new city, and I just need to see a primary care doctor, I always find them on ZocDoc. You can see exactly where the um, doctor specialist is. You can see their ratings, their reviews. You can book an appointment through the app, find out exactly when they're available. It's just so, so easy. So ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and can deliver the type of experience that you want. So ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed take your insurance and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. And of course, 
that insurance thing, very important. It's just so nice, easy, and seamless to be able to slot your insurance in and see who accepts it rather than having to do all of that. So go to ZocDoc.com fluently and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com fluently, ZocDoc.com fluently. Do you ever, okay, this just came to me. Do you ever think, and maybe this is because I've watched too much Killing Eve, mm-hmm. do you think that assassins could be trending? Because I feel like, I just feel like there, wasn't that that movie Barry, right, with um Bill Hader? I just feel like Barry. recently in pop culture, this idea of assassins or the lovable sociopath who you end up rooting for, even though they're a dark character, I feel like that keeps popping up. Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, in terms of like media and like movies and stuff, maybe, but I also think it, again, and I don't mean to always make it like men and women, but it's often, I think, framed as more lovable when it's like the Joe Goldbergs and like the you, yes. but like you, usually if a female is, then there's some like negative you know, media sentiment. Or she has to be a, a female with a lot of male qualities. Um, yes, a very exactly. Masculine female. Yeah. yeah. And I'm I'm also for reference talking about like fictional movies and stuff because I don't know any like real like, you don't know, real life ones. If I knew but... any real assassins, I would send them to Prince Andrew. So I'd be, yes. you know, they'd be on retainer. Yeah. Now moving on, something I want to ask you about is music festivals. So I know on TikTok you've been speaking a bit about Coachella. I'm really interested in this world of live events just because our world keeps getting more and more digital, moment house, webinars, Zoom meetings, people not returning back to the office. It feels like everything now is being digitized. And we've also had dangerous concerts, Astroworld. Do you think that moving forward, music festivals are going to increase in popularity because you know they're so rare? Or do you think they're going to decrease because we've all gotten used to seeing things on a screen? Yeah, no, that's a great point that you brought up. Like I'm, I grew up in LA, I'm avid Coachella goer. And I've always felt like you can't top Beyonce. Like once they got Beyonce and I was front row for Billy and she was awesome. But like, you know, it's like Coachella. It's like, you don't know you're in your prime until it's gone. So I don't know. I mean, they do bring in like a lot of money, but I think that you're right about things going digital. I think that eventually we're just going to have contacts we put in our eyes. Like people say, oh, people are zoned out on their phones now wait until someone can just put a contact in their eye and like see like SpongeBob to the left of you while they're talking to you. And like, is it watch bad that like, I really want that to happen? It sounds <laughs> no, I feel like it could be fun, but I could see people like, yeah, like the, I mean, there's something magical though, about being in the presence of someone and their music. So I don't know that I think what we're going to see instead of festivals is more what we're seeing with the success of Adele's Vegas residency, where hers is a very small audience and yet there, I tried to get tickets to it and it's like $1,300 for like the worst seat. And it's so expensive to go. It's a very intimate setting. She walks through the audience and Billie Eilish even did an interview recently. And she said that she admires kind of what Adele is doing because like she performs these huge stadiums and that it's actually less pressure and feels a little bit more disconnected because you can't even see the people in the audience when it's that big. But being in like a small crowd, like a very small setting, like performing for five people is way more intimidating than performing for 50,000. So yeah, I I think that we're going to see, I don't know, 
I'm sure eventually digital in some ways, especially with like how dangerous. I, I also see a lot of videos about people lacking concert etiquette, which I think is true. I think that like eventually they'll also have concerts where it's like no phones kind of thing, just because like, I don't know, I think that's where a lot of the problems arise from. And I'm like, you're never going to get as good of a video on your phone. Like just go on YouTube and watch it later. I find it really interesting too how like a, a lot of celebrities go to these high-end sex clubs and sex parties. And you know, everybody puts their phone and like allegedly in like one area that you can't access or you have to go back to get it if you want to make a phone call. And it's funny because everybody in the early 2000s, right? All of these celebrities were out partying at clubs, upskirt, photo, paparazzi when you get out of the car, cocaine at the DJ booth, dancing on the table, uh, Paris Hilton's having champagne poured all over her. And now it's like, oh my God, nobody's partying. And there's a little bit of me that's like, maybe they're all just sex club partying because they know that nobody's going to take a photo of them there. Or yeah, just like private, like no phones. Like I remember during COVID when I think one of the Kardashians had like a party or something allegedly mm -hmm. during Halloween and everyone was supposed to put their phones away. But like, of course, someone was able to get photos. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I, I'm sure there is some secrecy, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that I think that we're just going to see in terms of the music performances, I think. And like to your point, I think there are probably parties happening. They just have a way of like locking in people's phones. But I think that we're going to see performers opting for the more personal route. And then they're just going to charge like a shit ton for tickets. Isn't that funny? Oh God, this sucks. But you know what? Hopefully at least they'll be doing like ne like a Netflix specials. Cause it was funny when Beyonce performed in Dubai, nobody was like, oh my God, I wish I could go. I wish they let people in. Instead, it was just like, I hope it's going to be on Netflix. Cause like we all knew like none of us, even if we could go, none of us would be able to afford a ticket. Well, and I think that all videos of her performance were wiped from the internet. Even like this song. And Have I they think been that still? I, I think it's really hard to find. And like, that's why people... Like, I, I think that I could be wrong, but that they somehow like they were obviously it's like music copyrighted, but that sound of her being like, uh, uh yes, the uh, run while she's, uh, yes, yeah. people were recreating it on TikTok because they couldn't find the audio anymore. Like it was wiped. So I don't think oh. she wanted any video evidence of that. I'm not sure. I, allegedly. Well, I remember sure. that. I, like, I've seen a few videos. Maybe it got wiped, but we all know what happened. Remember when Beyonce wanted to wipe that video of her at the Super Bowl when like it was a <laughs> the flash yeah and like her yeah. face just looked like so fucked up she looked like frankenstein or whatever and immediately like everyone on reddit was like okay like let's go guys a million memes of this and it just like spammed the entire it's the same thing with chloe kardashian and the photo of her in a bikini oh my gosh it makes it and she looked gorgeous there too it just makes yes. it like more honestly, it was just bad lighting that was the only thing there was like a shadow on her stomach diagonally i'm like if the right. sun was in a different direction you would have been proud of this photo it's crazy like a a pull from an umbrella shadow. Like yes. not even. I honestly, if you want to go viral, if you want something like this is maybe this is the strategy, the Barbara Streisand effect, like lean into it, be like, no, you guys like, ah, I'm going to delete this in the morning. Like, this is so crazy. Like, don't actually watch this video. Boom. You're going to have millions of views. I've seen so many people do that, like probably going to delete this in the morning and then they never do. And there will be some videos that I'll make like high in bed and my caption will be like, I'm probably going to delete this. Yes, I've seen those. And if I make a video and if I'm typing out the caption, probably going to delete this tomorrow, 
I just stop and I don't post the video because I'm like, oh, that's my sign from God that like this shouldn't be online. But some people, whatever, they don't care. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about uh, hair and makeup trends because I love your videos on this. You were talking at the beginning about how makeup trends are trending a lot more natural. I'm seeing a lot more dewy looks, a lot more, what do they call it? Like wet, it's a wet something. Clean girl or, oh, the the wet look? Like a dewy, oh my God, no, it's like a, a glazed donut. That's what it is, oh, isn't it? A glazed donut. Oh my gosh. I would cry if someone described me as a glazed donut. <laughs> That's so <laughs> funny. But uh, what do you foresee in terms yes. of makeup trends? Like, it could be eyebrows. It could be lips. It could be eyes. It could be anything. Yeah. No, I love this question. It's actually when I made the Tumblr video, it was the one that like I think changed my life. Like It was the one that really went crazy and People called it the marinated makeup trend where it's like you just keeping on your makeup from the night before. I thought it was funny. They called it marinated makeup. But I think that, again, trends move so fast. So there's no way to be like, this is what's happening right now. Everyone's doing it. Like there's so many subcultures now. But in terms of something that we haven't really seen before, glazed donut is a funny way to put it. But I've really been toying with this idea of, and I think this rise of like this dystopian look, whether it's with clothing, I think that there's going to be more, I think that we're, this is more fashion, but I'm going to tie it back into makeup. I think that we're entering a time now where there's actually going to be animosity from audiences towards influencers and creators who wear like new clothes in every single photo and video, unless Mm. they're disclosing it's like rent the runway, or I found this new website called newly that I'm obsessed with. And like, I don't know. I think that there's going to be people who become really popular who wear like the same thing every day, like a cartoon character. But like, I think that it's also going to lean into dystopian wear. I got chills when you said that, by the way, I completely co-sign the, the, yeah, because it's, it's branding if you wear the same thing every day. Yeah. I totally see that taking off. Yeah. Like one of my videos that went viral a while ago, I said that, you know, someone's a cultural icon if someone can dress like them for Halloween and a stranger on the street knows that's Ariana Grande or like that's Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. So yeah, having a look that's repeatable. But I think that in terms of dystopian, it's going to be like pants that you can like unzip and it can become a jacket or like just like versatile clothes, like sewing things together is going to be really trendy, like wearing a fanny pack on your thigh instead of like your hip or something. And I think that in terms of looks, okay, this sounds so weird and people are going to, this is a bad take, but maybe I'll make a TikTok (laughs) about it too. I think that it's going to be like a sweaty look. Now, like, thank God. (laughs) I hope you mean sweaty feet too and sweaty palms. (laughs) Yes. We're just like conspiring to make this a trend. So then we are like the cool people. Conspire for the perspire. (laughs) Oh, see, there you go. Yes. I think that it's going to be this trend of like almost a play on the marinated makeup, but like I just worked out, but I didn't actually work out today. Or like, I'm like, I think the cool people are going to be like the ones that would like survive in a dystopian world. And I think people are really obsessed with that idea right now and like feeling like the world has changed so much in the last three years that there's a lot of instability and people that would be primed for it. Like Mad Max, I think is the name of the movie that I'm thinking of. Yes, I'm already like the Michael Bay shot where like everything's like in shades of blue and orange and everybody looks tan and a little bit sweaty, but hot. And like Megan Fox is there. And so is Kate from Lost, you know, like a little bit of freckles because like you don't have sunscreen on you you and your hair is like wavy because you don't have a Dyson air wrap, but you look hot. (laughs) I think people are literally going to sell 
products where you like spray your face and it's almost this like sweaty, like I know people call it like the glossy or like the glazed donut look, but (laughs) I think that it's going to be more of like an intentional, like, yeah, I think there's just, I think that's going to be where we're headed. I know that sounds so weird and some people I could be wrong and that's okay, but I think we're going to see that become more popular. This is red, like it's, it's, it's hitting in my stomach. Like I know for sure that it's true. I only hope that it looks good if your armpits sweat as well. Right. But it never does. Right. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember in middle school being terrified when my cheer team had to wear the gray shirts. We had to like rotate each day. Nightmares. Okay. Anyone who sweats a lot will know I don't own anything in gray, especially light gray. Cause it's the worst color to sweat in. So whenever somebody's like, Oh my God, I sweat a lot. And then I see them in a tight, light gray, long sleeve yeah. t-shirt. I'm like, you liar. Like a sweaty person yeah. wouldn't wear that. <laughs> yes. Or like I have these gray leggings that are like cotton that I turned into pajamas. Cause God forbid my butt crack sweats. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> so I get it exactly what you're talking about friend and I Clara we once wrote an entire blog post I might have archived it but it was about like how to date in the city in the summer and it was all of these niche things where like if you're walking I'll, I'll give away some of the life hacks right now if you're walking to meet someone on a date and it's really hot out you have to stop inside CVS and like bodegas and open up the ice cream section and just stand in front of it to get cool for a bit. Or you could buy an iced coffee to hold it in your hand to cool you down that way. And if you're about to go into like, you know, someone sexy, their apartment, you're gonna have to either wear your shoes into their bathroom and then take off your shoes and wipe your sweaty feet on the bath mat. Or Mm -hmm. if they live in a nice building and it's carpeted, you're going to have to take off your shoes beforehand. And like, it was all these tips on like how to not let anybody see that you're sweating. I, yeah, we'll just make sweating trendy. I, that reminds me too, in college, this is so shameful, but my friends and I, when we would go out to the bar, a few times, like there was a mall on the way to the street that everyone partied at and we would stop. And if it was still early enough, we would run into like the Sephora and just spray the perfumes. <laughs> so we smelled good and then boop, right back into the Uber. We'd be like, we need to make a pit stop. I did it the other day. I was like on a long walk and I didn't have any sunscreen. So you just pop in. You're like, I've given you enough money over the years. You like put some sunscreen on, you keep going. Next Evo Naturals, the only place that I go to for CBD products. I've been working with Next Evo Naturals for a really good amount of time now. And even as I say this right now, I am looking at different bottles around my desk of the different CBD gummies that I have. I love taking these CBD gummies from Next Evo Naturals whenever I am stressed, whenever I need rest, whenever I need some chill in my step, basically whenever I have those stressful thoughts happen in my head and kind of start to show up in my body. Lately, it's been I'll record a podcast episode, then I'll listen back to it. Then the fact that I've listened to it twice, I think to myself, this episode's no good. Nobody's going to like it. And then I just like to take a little gummy to kind of de-stress from some of those thoughts. Next Evo Naturals also has really cool CBD powder packets. And I know I, like many other people, are kind of interested. We're sober, curious people. And sometimes at night, I'll make myself a little mocktail with uh, no alcohol in it and I'll put in CBD powder. It's a great nighttime routine. So if you want to upgrade your CBD, go to nextevo.com slash fluently to get 20% off of your first order of $40 or more. That's 20% off of $40 or more at nextevo.com slash fluently. 
Okay. Moving on into hair trends. You, this was interesting. It kind of seems like the hair is going the opposite maybe of the makeup where we were kind of into that whole like clean girl, soft highlights, balayage look, but now we're seeing some chunky highlights, some side bangs. It's giving early 2000s type of era. What do you predict for hair? Yeah, I think side I think side bangs are so going to come back. I just think they're so iconic and it kind of fits with like the wolf cut that's trendy right now. But yes. Yeah. So definitely that. I think also just this has been going on for a while. I think the pandemic really allowed people to be themselves because they didn't have to go into the world and like face any judgment, which was really great. And so I think that we're seeing a lot of androgyny when it comes to hair trends, the way that people style their hair is very like it. I love that people are not just, you know, going into certain masculine or feminine norms when it comes to that as well. So I don't know if that's a trend. I think it's just already existed, but. And same with fashion too. You know what I love? Like when girls wear like boxers underneath their jeans and you can see the boxer above, that's like the hottest thing in the world. I love that. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think there's so much, even with like the, the versatile clothing that I think will exist, it could be like men's pants or like, oh, a, shorter frame, smaller frame person, like jacket shot. Like, I think there's going to be clothing that you zip this here and you Velcro this here. And it's like a whole new thing that you can wear out. Yes. I love that. Okay. So we're going back into, and what I loved about this too, is you mentioned that we saw chunky highlights on Bella Hadid. Are there certain celebrities that you look at when it comes to trend prediction? I would imagine Bella Hadid talk about, right, the sober lifestyle. I feel like everything she does ends up coming true. Yeah, I do think. And I think Bella Hadid, at least from what I've learned about her from interviews and her own videos, I think she there are certain people that I think are just a little bit. I don't know if I want to say clairvoyant, but they're just, they're always a few steps ahead of everyone else. I think they see things that others don't. I think she's definitely one of those celebrities, but the only thing that makes it difficult when looking at celebrities is especially ones like Bella Hadid. Part of their job is they are changing their look, especially if you're a model, it depends on just what brand book you that day. Their looks change so often, unless there's someone like Ariana Grande who has like a signature ponytail. So it's really hard sometimes to look at celebrities. Sometimes I do like with the Bella Hadid chunky highlights. Um, But yeah, they just, they're changing so often that there's no way that I know like, okay, this is what's going to stick because they did like 10 things this week. So I don't know. But I do think that Bella Hadid bigger picture does have some intuition there. If anything, I more so look at what a lot of celebrities are doing currently, like the Kardashians, because then I know that like that's where the pendulum swing is is going to go the opposite of that. Like when I did the messy makeup prediction, I was looking at Hailey Bieber because she was really going viral for the clean, no makeup. So mm-hmm. I was like, what's the opposite of that? Because people are going to revolt against whatever is popular. Wait, like, you know, it'd be so funny. Like you find a celebrity who's so out of touch and like whatever they're promoting, you're like, okay, this trend is like the opposite of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like no shade, but I feel like Hailey Bieber isn't exactly right. Like this Mick Jagger, David Bowie inspirational persona, like always doing things out of their own creativity. So it'd be funny to take a look at someone like her, or I'm trying to think of someone else who's kind of like, copy paste as a person and then whatever they're doing and they're honed in on you're like okay the opposite of that is probably going to be trending 
Yeah. I think though, like with Haley Bieber, her power lies in like kind of this, and I'm trying to think of a word that's not going to sound mean because I don't mean this mean at all. Almost like her power lies in this almost like basicness and it makes her timeless, which I do. Like I always say trends are fun, but don't do them so much that if you look back at a photo in 20 years, if you can pinpoint the year that you took that photo, it's not timeless. Like definitely do the trends to a subdued, but there's like this one marketing thing where there's a certain town in the middle of nowhere. It's in like Wisconsin or something. And they always use them as a test demographic for like pilot shows and stuff. And this, See, this um, is what I'm talking yeah. about. How do you know this stuff? Like, I didn't know, like you just, I'm just like put out these random, it's amazing. Okay. Continue. Yeah. And so like definitely someone listening, like if you're more interested in it, you can look it up. It's so definitely fact check, but it's basically where it has more to do with TV pilots, but there's a town in the middle of nowhere, not a huge population, but they play the pilot shows for this as like a test group. And this community almost like 99% of the time is able to accurately say whether it's going to be a popular show or not in ratings. And it speaks to the fact that, and a lot of this has to do too with like beauty standards, like heteronormativity, whiteness, but that if you can win over middle America, like this town is the epitome of like middle America, not too big of a town, not too small of a town, very suburban. If you can win over the suburbs, like you are set. And so sometimes there are celebrities that their power lies in the fact that they aren't chasing the trends and they aren't like trying Mm. to cater to this metropolitan, like high fashion. And I mean, in some ways they become high fashion because they're timeless, but I think Hailey Bieber really caters to that like middle America that I I call it the bachelor demographic. I was women that watch the bachelor is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, it's funny because on the other end, right? Like, so you have the Haley Beavers, and on the other end, you got the Bella Hadids. And then even further past that, you've got like the Melanie Martinez and Doja Cat types where, and maybe this is because obviously they're both musicians, but Melanie Martinez recently went viral. I know you did videos on her. She's performing with, she's in this new era. She's performing in this cat mask that honestly kind of scares the shit out of me, but like props to her for doing it. Doja Cat recently shaved her head. So, and she was saying in interviews that she did this so that way she could do more costumes and more looks. And there are some of these celebrities who just fully commit to the idea of like, I will be whoever you want me to be. I'll be like metamorphosis. And I think that's so cool, but it only works on people like them because they have talent. You know, it it would look kind of like pathetic on somebody who doesn't have talent. Yes. Yeah. No, I think it's really fascinating. I think it also speaks to the type of artist they are and the way that they blew up. Like if you think of Doja Cat, her first viral hit was Bitch, I'm a Cow Moo and she was dressed like in a cow costume. And so I think it was a foreshadow that she was going to be that type of artist. I think we're going to see a lot more of that trending. I know there's, I mean, they're not the first artists to do it. Like in my video, people are like, what about this person and that person? I'm like, yes, it's been around for forever. But in terms of like entering these eras and wearing costumes and a lot of these people like Melanie Martinez, they'll wipe their Instagram clean. And instead of using their Instagram as an archive, they'll use it as a canvas. So when they're done with a certain era, they'll wipe it. And then it's almost like going to Michael's and getting a new white canvas. And then they start posting things that create this story of the new visual that they're doing. And so I think it's really interesting looking at artists that use their social media as a canvas that they'll then delete and get a new one. 
versus artists that look at their social media as an archive. I think we'll see it too with influencers, but I just think that especially with Gen Alpha, they're really going to look and admire people that, and and I mean, I'm saying this as someone who has my own platform. And I think that they're going to look at people that really prop themselves up as like wanting to be very public figures, wanting to be the Jake Pauls of the world. They're going to look at them as kind of cringe, whereas Gen Z and millennials loved people that were the face of everything and were relatable and were this. I think that Gen Alpha and the next generation is going to look at stunts like what Melanie Martinez is doing and kind of love it because you don't really see her. You just see this character that she's created. And whether it's driven, I think it's like the opposite of ego that you can like throw everything away that you're known for and try and see if you can make it in another way. Maybe I'm thinking too deeply, but yeah, I just think it's really interesting to kind of wipe your identity out of something. You still have the name and the voice that's recognizable. And I think we'll see a lot of influencers do that, looking at their socials as canvases versus archives and wiping clean and then trying something new and entering a different type of their, I think creators are going to start having seasons like mm. TV shows, but yeah. I love even just the way you phrase it, like not an archive, but a canvas. Like that's incredible. I'm even thinking about too, trying to do seasons of Fluently Forward, mostly just because I, you know, I haven't taken a day off since mid-October. So I'd love to be able yeah. to do that. And I, you know, I feel like seasons give you the chance to do that. So we did talk a little bit, you were talking about influencers, celebrities, how the different generations are going to look at them. We've been hearing about this too, right? Like influencers get invited to the Met Gala and then people hate that they're going there. And then are the Kardashians influencers or celebrities? Are they a bit of both? I have been hearing from a lot of high up people that influencers in terms of advertising and marketing are like the next commodity, like everything all advertising is going to be done through people and brands coming up. But at the same time, you have people kind of hating. Like if somebody says that they're an influencer, don't you just kind of hate them already off the bat? And I say like, I feel this way and we are technically influencers. What do you think the zeitgeist is going to be on influencers in the next five, 10 years? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. I think part of the reason too, that the word influencer has such a weird term is because it's like, we need a new term for it because someone who's influential doesn't walk into a room and say, I'm influential. Like, yeah. You would only believe that someone was influential if someone else told you it. Like, oh, we're going to a party. You're going to meet this person. You got to connect with them. Listen to what they say. But if you entered a party and someone's like, hi, I'm the most important person you're ever going to meet. I'm going to like, you'd be like, ew. So I think yeah. the word influencer already has this connotation of like, why are you describing yourself as influential? Like, that's weird. And so I think it's just this subconscious thing that people have against it already. In terms of like the commodification of influencers, yes, I think that they are kind of becoming the new celebrity in a way, but it really depends on. So I think of, and I wrote this down in a notebook like three years ago, I didn't have a platform and I just came up with this formula. I was like, maybe I'll write a book on it one day. But when it comes to building a brand and influencers do this, there's three phases that happen and not everyone makes it to the third phase. But if you make it to the third phase, you can break into being a celebrity. It's the first phase of becoming an influencer is the trial round. Everyone does it. It's where they figure out what they're going to be known for, what they're good at making that. Are you going to be a food creator? Are you going to be a makeup creator? Once it kind of clicks, you have consistency and most people stay in that cycle. They do trials, they find something they're good at, they do that consistency until it gets old, and then they have to go back into a trial round. But there's a third thing, I call it social proof. And it's kind of this analogy of like, if you have a TikTok or something, you exist in this snow globe. And if you can break out of that snow globe, like Alex Earl, if your name becomes something that's part of the cultural zeitgeist, 
if people are talking about you without seeing your video, but like if people are only hearing your name or seeing you because of your own videos, then you haven't had social proof. Social proof is two people on a podcast talking about you that have no relation to you or someone at BuzzFeed writing an article about you that has no relation to you. So there's few people that if I see someone that's starting to have social proof and they're breaking out of this kind of snow globe, then I always think that that's someone who's going to become a celebrity. And that was long-winded, by the way. In terms of commodification, I do think that influencers are very like powerful and they get a lot of big bucks. But I think that it's been watered down a little bit because there's just so many now. So it's kind of spread thin. And I always say that TikTok, I don't know if we talked about this on my podcast or I said it to someone else, but like there's no object permanence on TikTok. Like you just don't remember anything you saw. Like you don't remember the last five videos. And so, yeah. And so there are brands and stuff that work with TikTokers and then they're like, nothing came of it. They couldn't sell a ticket to the show or they couldn't, you know, sell a product. And I think part of it is because there's no object permanence the way you might have with like more podcasting and YouTube. I think they're more influential. And I agree with that point too. And also as someone who, you know, we work with, we have incredible sponsors and advertisers for the show and I I love all their products, but it's interesting listening to other podcasts sometimes and wondering like, Oh, okay. So like, cause I remember when I would listen to podcasts before I became a podcaster and knew what was what listening to people do the ad reads, there was such a clear difference in some people where you could tell they were just reading off of a script or you could tell if somebody had used the product, if they liked it, what they liked about it. And it's funny because some advertisers are like, please use it and detail your own experience with it. But then there's other companies and I've gotten this for TikTok videos too, where they're like, we're going to give you a script and say exactly what this is. And you always want to reach out and be like, hi, bitch, like I got my audience my way because I know what's fun and exciting for them. Yeah, if you want to pay me $2,000 for a TikTok video where I read your script, I'll do it, but it's not going to get anything for you because it's so boring. And there are, you know, some of these companies who are out of touch where they're doing influencer marketing, but they're not letting the influencer help you to sell the product or talk nicely about it. They're like, just read the script to your followers. Exactly. I think one of the uh, predictions that I have, and I talked about this in one of the podcasts I recently did, that there's the next version of like a successful influencer brand collab. I think there's going to be less of these brands throwing things at the wall and just seeing what sticks. Like, have you ever opened your For You page and like three people you follow are doing the same exact brand deal? I'm like, oh my gosh, they must have like, this was the yeah. deadline to upload it. That kind of happened with Michaela and Mascara Gate. Or uh, what about to the, those, le- that dress, the athletic dress that everybody, the, was it like Halara or Halaria oh, okay. dress? With or like H. the Yiddy underwear. Yeah. And I bought it. And then I felt embarrassed to buy it because every girl in the city was was wearing it. So I was like, oh, this is awkward. Yeah. And, And I think that there's going to be less of that eventually. And more of like, if an influencer can pull off what Michael Jordan did with Nike, creating a product, the Air Jordan shoe, like Jordans, like those shoes have, he's not even a basketball player anymore. Like he's, his name is a cultural, like it's a household name, but he doesn't have to go play in the NBA finals every year for his product to sell when he's long gone, those shoes are going to be one of Nike's biggest money makers. So I think that it's going to eventually be influencers changing like the culture of a brand and like becoming a part of it. That is going to be what sticks versus all of these, like kind of one-off like hit or miss, maybe 10% sell kind of deals. 
Yes. I love that. Okay. Well, the very last thing that I want us to touch on was something that I just think this is so funny because you were talking in one of your videos about how fashion trends that the ultra wealthy are obsessed with are always things that are, like you said earlier, timeless, right? So clothes without prints, without patterns, without logos on it, because they want their legacy to be timeless, to extend beyond them. And I was reminded of, have you seen those subreddits, uh, Reddit threads, what's classy for rich people and trashy for poor people. I think we talked about this briefly on yours. So some of the examples, these are my favorite classy for rich people, but trashy for poor people. When your table is part of a tree, having a police escort, living at a hotel, being really into wine, keeping a bottle of booze in your office, not cleaning your own house and being on a first name basis with a judge. And it's so funny how like, if you're a millionaire, that's nice. But if you're broke, then it's like, that's trashy. What do you think in terms of trends varying for rich people, like massively rich people and just like the regular folks like us, do you think that they're kind of do they follow any of our trends or do they leave them all behind? Yeah, no, I think that's such a great question. So yeah, I feel like people who, and I've, and I'm talking more just adjacent. I'm not like from a super wealthy, you know, area or family or anything, but the wealthy are more generational wealth, not new wealth. They're obsessed with legacy and their last name. And it's something that's ingrained in them is like, you are a part of this family. This is the last, like the Kennedys, like old money kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift says the last great American dynasty and they're obsessed with it. And I think part of what's ingrained in them is always being timeless. And it's almost embarrassing. Like I always say, when you're following trends, you never want to like go so hard with it that I always say, if you can look at a photo of yourself 10 years from now, and you can pinpoint exactly what year that photo was taken in, it's probably not timeless and it's not going to age well. So I think wealthy are very obsessed with wanting things to always seem timeless. And that's why part of them also not wearing prints, I think is because if you have super small prints, it doesn't photograph well. And I think they're more if you're in the public eye type of fame, not like just hanging out at your family lake house. Do you think that what that's why they also have, what do you think is the reasoning for why they have such fucking weird names for their kids sometimes, you know, like Emerson, Marley, Lay, or like, or Ashley's always like spelled separately. I wonder if that also comes down to it because names do, names are one of those things that trend up and down based on the year. And you're so right. Like that actually makes me think that having a weird name is something that's classy when you're rich, but like (laughs) trashy when you're poor. It's like coming up with a unique name. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is the legacy as well is they want, they like usually name cycle within a family. And I think that they'll put like different spins on it, but it'll be like a combination of like the two grandma's names or something. I could be talking out of my ass, but yeah. And again, that's another thing that's like classy if you're rich, trashy if you're poor is like having like a John, John senior, John junior, like when a wealthy family does it, it's like legacy. Yeah. When there's like six Johns in the family, it's like, that's either bougie or trashy, depending right. on like how you view them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that a lot of them not following trends is just obsessed with wealth. And also a lot of trends have to do with social status. So people will buy certain things that are trending like a Gucci bag because it'll give them a temporary level of social status, but wealthy people don't want to show their wealth because they don't want you to know how much you can sue them for if something goes wrong. And so they Mm. always play down their wealth. You'll know someone's wealthy when they play it down 
because they don't want someone to know how much can, they can come for them. <laughs> so there we uh, go. Yeah. So that's why, like, if you guys follow me on Instagram, I talk about how I get all of my clothing from Thread Up. That's because I'm secretly a billionaire. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Me stealing tampons at my co-working space. That's because yeah. I'm rich. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I think I think part of it is a lot of trends have to do with social status and buying social status. And they don't need either of those. So they don't have to follow them. It is like, it's all coming together for me now. It makes so much sense that you and I studied sociology in college because what is trends other than a way to describe the current pulse of society and how people are viewing, you know, things like social status, what's aesthetically pleasing, what's desirable at that moment. And you've probably heard that, what is it, that the hemlines change based on, or sorry, you can tell if we're in a recession based on hemlines. He- the length of the skirt. Okay. What is that called? Really? Hem length. I literally- the hem, the hem length. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I feel Wait, like that's what's not the right. theory? Wait, what's people, the theory? People who, uh, people are probably screaming because I'm getting it wrong right now. It's basically that like throughout history, if we're doing well in the markets or not, the hem length, like, fuck me. I'm just not going to get it right at this point. It'll change. So you know how like it was like flapper outfits mm-hmm. in the 1920s and then it changed and then you have the big skirts oh, of like the your, 1950s. Okay. Like they were basically saying that. And I've also heard too, right? That like, if you want to know if there is going to be a recession, talk to strippers and strip clubs because they can tell immediately if we're going to be going into a downturn because like that's where you always first notice it. Because that's where people spend their disposable income. And yeah. so the moment disposable income is gone is the moment that people are hoarding their money. Yeah. Interesting. Oh my gosh. That is so fascinating. And that's why one thing too, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about me and something I'm always trying to course correct is just that like I talk about trends. I don't want people to participate in every single trend. I more so talk about trends from, I think of them as fascinating benchmarks and milestones to be like, this is what was popular now or back then because of this reason. It doesn't mean you have to, every time I make a video, go out and buy a certain shoe or go out. Like, I'm like, don't I do? I literally wear the same Lululemon every day. And I always say, I'm like, I'm the coach. I'm not the player. Like I will (laughs) leave the cute dressing to like the actual artistic people that can bring my visions to life. But like, yeah, I just want to also add there, like end on that note too, that like, just because we talk about trends and it's something that's fascinating, it is more so from a sociological lens of like, people started calling me a trend forecaster and I never heard that word before. My job was more, I talk like in my nine to five more about media trends and digital media trends. So I had never heard that word thrown around in like that way. And there's people who actually do it and do it well, but yeah, just because something's trending doesn't mean you need to participate. Ain't that the truth? And you know, yeah. if if you're too broke to buy something that's in style, just tell yourself, be like, oh, no, no, I'm so rich that like I'm not participating in this trend. Trends are for poor people. Yeah. Or do the no. Barbra Streisand effect and just be like, this isn't <laughs> even that cool. It's like so like, and then if people will want it because they can't have it. Exactly. Now, real quick, last thing before we leave, I feel like we should each say one trend that we want to come back. It could be, it could be anything. For me, it's got to be AIM, instant messenger. I feel like we're online all the time and we're so nostalgic for the concept of logging online because we, I mean, since a couple of years ago, we've literally never logged off. So the idea of firing up the laptop and saying, okay, out of everyone in my text messages, 
which seven people are online right now that I can chat to? And then I think you would actually talk to them more because it would just be synchronous, right? Like, oh, they happen to be online. So I'm talking to them. Like I could see AIM coming back. I loved AIM and you could change, oh my God, changing the font. And like, I'd always use it to like message my crush. Yes. Or just watch them be online and be too terrified Mm. to say something until they left. But yeah. (laughs) Oh, I would see they're online. I would look at who else from our class was online and be like, who do they like? (laughs) Like, this is bad. And then I think for me, I want YouTubing to come back in all of its glory. People make YouTube videos now, but it's very like the only videos that get surfaced to me are these deep dive kind of like podcast style on like trashy reality shows that I'm watching, like commentary on it, which love that. Like it's my favorite kind, but I just miss the age of like going on YouTube and you had like a Tana Mojo story time. And then like a vlog of Emma Chamberlain at Coachella and then a Jackie Ina makeup video. Like I just loved, like I would go on YouTube and boom, boom, like you just, you, and it's just so much more fun to watch like a 20 minute video where you're really diving into like the depth of someone. Whereas on TikTok, it's very surface level. So I really want long form videos to come back because I'm just, I don't have a ton of people to watch right now. And I need like a new generation of YouTubers to just take over that I can like waste all my time on. Yes. I love, I lo- like, I love a vlog where someone's like, spend a night with me at home doing nothing. I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Loved it. Damn. All right. Well, Coco Moco, thank you so, so much for coming on. And if anyone hasn't mm-hmm. listened to our episode over on your channel, mm-hmm. Ahead of the Curve, go check that yes. out. And I'm just so excited that you're in the podcast game now because I love all of your episodes. I learn like mm-hmm. five things new every time I listen to one of them. Oh, I'm so glad. And thank you for having me on and listening to my long-winded answers. I I really loved this conversation. I love so. it. It felt like I was in class, but with like mm-hmm. a, a fun teacher. You know what I mean? Yes. There we go. <laughs> All right. Until the next Yay. one, guys. Bye.